0: This is Luciano Vecchio, and welcome to a special episode of Power of X Men. Soy Luciano Vecchio, y bienvenidos a un episodio muy especial de Power of X Men. Enter now the age of apocalypse, Chica, with your hosts, Dayspring and Scott Free.
1: The name's Cable. Remember it. And the only people who can stop apocalypse are the mutants known as Dayspring, Scott Free, and Michelle. This is Captain America. And we need to defeat Apocalypse.
2: Hey, Flink. Hey, Dayspring.
1: Guess who we have on the podcast today? Christian Frost? Oh my God, I would die if it was Christian Frost. Shut the fuck up. You're trolling me because poor Luciano Vecchio was on the podcast and I literally <laughs> I literally bombarded him with all these Christian Frost questions.
2: Yeah, I'm sitting here trying to ask him really important stuff like the importance of found family to the LGBTQ community. And you're just like, I stand Christian Frost. <laughs> I'm like, why did he
1: end up with that
2: inhuman? did you see christian's abs my god
1: (laughs) well you came so prepared with such really great questions and and we had a riot i think i almost lost it when he was here like back in the day i had a geocities fan page (laughs) like you could just see me like going crazy i'm like were you part of a web
2: circle (laughs) Did I harass you and I didn't even know it? Did he sign my GeoCities guest book? Oh my gosh, shut the fuck up. I forgot about the GeoCities guest books. like, how how would you ever know how popular you were if the internet strangers weren't validating you in your guest book?
1: I love that the GeoCities guest book was like an early onset for comments and or like a follower count. Like that's how you knew. I have not thought about a GeoCities guest book until this very moment. I'm here to trigger you in all the ways. How are you doing? We've been uh, we've been really busy these last few weeks. You've been jumping yeah. from like con to con.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've been great. Like you said, I have been jumping from con to con, uh, all across the the South of America. You know, I've done Atlanta, I've done Mississippi, I've done I've done something here here in Dallas. Uh, I would say the most memorable thing that, that that's happened in all those cons is I met. O.G. April O'Neil, a.k.a. Judith Hogue, uh, from the first live-action Ninja Turtles movie, and she was just literally the nicest person I have ever met in my entire life. It was like, imagine meeting your childhood hero and then them being everything you wanted them to be and more. It was just like that. Wait, I have so many questions about this.
1: One, why didn't she come back for the other turtle sequels?
2: I mean, I didn't want to ask her that just because I'm pretty sure the answer is they didn't invite her. Oh, wait, there's not like some
1: random piece on the Internet. Like the Nerdist never published like a deep dive into why she was never asked back.
2: I honestly I feel like they if I remember correctly, what I have heard in the past is that they wanted to align the sequel more with the cartoon so i think they picked somebody they picked Paige turco because she had that that cartoon uh april haircut i don't know i don't know i don't Well, they could have I, given I judith it, that haircut i her hair's a little curly for that i'm not sure i'm not sure you
1: know who she looks like? She looks like the April on the arcade of the turtles with the big hair holding like, although I for the longest time I thought that was Tiffany Amber Thiessen, exactly that, <laughs> because of like the hair, like like that. But listen, Judith is a goddess. I saw you with her. Obviously, I freaked out. One thing she did recently that I feel has gotten in her such great press. And made her culturally relevant to all of us nerds was that she did the walkthrough for her figure with
2: NECA. Yeah. Yeah, she did. She did. She had it's in it's ironic that you call her a goddess because she has a YouTube channel called Goddess on Fire, where it she literally did did actually that. Yeah. Well, you you set that up perfectly look at you go uh but no she on her youtube channel got us on fire she did walk everybody through like start to finish like the securing the the image rights the the sculpting her approval her approving the paint like it was it was really cool and that was actually like what i talked to her about the most was like i have followed action figures for over 30 years and i've never like nobody's ever walked us through that process start to finish like you did so thanks thanks april really appreciate it we love you, April. We do. But speaking of fiery goddesses, do oh you know who I ran into? Who, Madeline Pryor.
1: <laughs> I should have been like, bitch, you need to come back to the MCU as Madeline Pryor. And she would have been like, huh? Yeah. I am, of course, <laughs> talking about Famke Johnson. I ran into her about two, three weeks ago with Jeff and Planet X-Men. We were at Barcade in Chelsea. And we were getting, like, Mike, we were getting so drunk. We played the Batman and Robin arcade game, which I forgot even existed.
2: Yeah, I don't even know what you're talking about.
1: It's insane. The graphics, I think, were ahead of its time. I loved it. I haven't been able to search to see if it's available to play online, but it was incredible. We played the Turtles, of course. And we, of course, played the X-Men arcade game, which, bitch, you totally messaged me as I was, like, Instagramming it. And you're like, why is no one Dazzler? And it's because there was someone drunk in the corner playing on their phone, drinking. And Dazzler, she's not the last one, but she's, like, the penultimate, you know, joystick. So I couldn't get to her, because I would have chosen Dazzler.
2: Always using the Dazzler spot as the drink holder. Every, that's just, like... (laughs) That, that, that she's, she's relegated to be like the tabletop. Poor Dazzler.
1: So we are drunk. We are literally like five beers in. And we're like, let's just go to the bar in Chelsea. I think we were trying to get to G lounge or gym bar and we're walking towards seventh Avenue. And as we turn the corner on like 21st, I think it was 22nd and seventh. I see Fomka literally crossing the street with a posse and like, they're all surrounding her and she's wearing this white dress, her long, like Disney princess hair, which was black. And I literally, I swear on -hmm. Victorious and Apollo. I go, Oh my God. Like that. And poor planet X-Men has absolutely no idea what's going on. Jeff of course loves Fomka. Like, in terms of our relationship, Jeff is like higher of a Famke stand than I am. Like he actually called her being Jean Grey back when she was in bond and literally Famke goes like this, (gasps) like that. And my husband's like, we're the gays, Where are your gay X-Men stands She goes, oh, I love my gay X-Men stands And we like literally talked to her For like 20 minutes on the side of the road Where like her posse is just like standing behind us And like it's an eclectic group of like people One of them is wearing scrubs, shrug The other person was like in jeans and shorts And I'm forgetting what the other two were wearing But we're talking to her and we're like, Oh, can we take photos? Can we do some videos with you? I'm like, I have a, a podcast. It's called power of X-Men. She goes, Oh yeah, let's talk about it. And I was like, because we live in pandemic times, I was afraid to like put my hand on her. I was like, Fomka, is it okay if I like, pat you? which I told Catherine Hahn too. I was like, is it okay if I put my hand here and Fomka, looks at me, and she goes, you can do whatever you want to me. Have fun. Oh. It's like, Have fun. Just don't molest me. Or maybe you do. I don't know. I'm just joking. And she was just so, like, she loved having our big gay energy with her. And her her posse was like, oh, take the photos for them. And like, this guy took our photo and everything's super kind. And they were saying things like, this is her. She gets so much attention everywhere she goes because she's so special. And I was like, yeah, she is. But the funniest part is that um, Planet X-Men was visiting and he has certain like words that we just don't use. Like he calls like really fabulous women. Like we were at a bar and he called a drag queen hen and he kept saying like, get it, hen, hen, you're fabulous. And I'm like, why are you calling this person a hen? Because he's from Scotland.
2: Yeah, come on now.
1: I didn't even know that
2: oh my god we need to get you we need to get you up to speed on your 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 uk slang
1: international like gay slang but anyways so as we're as we're parting ways with Fomka, like her posse kind of like surrounds her and they start like moving forward and he's here like hen hen the morlocks are taking you away <laughs> i don't know if <laughs> and she has right. no clue
2: what that means of yeah course. she has
1: no clue the morlocks but i should have like told her about Madeline Pryor and everything. I also wanted to ask her about that thing she had a couple of years ago with um, a book being found in her apartment and she called the police on it. I know it was like a page six thing, like, but it was like a super big news item here locally because she found like a random children's book placed on her bed and she called the police because she's here like, I never bought this book and someone put That's it there. That's
2: creepy as hell.
1: I know. But I'm thinking like, Famke, did one of your assistants just buy it for you and left it there and like you were confused? I don't know, but.
2: I don't know. I don't know. I just wonder if she knew like how close she came to death in that moment being swamped by the crazy Jean Grey stands Like that, that could go to an extreme place. It could have
1: gone to extreme place, but she was so lovely and, and fabulous. I'm Second you time were seen, on
2: your best behavior.
1: I was. You know how I am. Like I can I, although I, I geeked out with her. I saw her at Nobu before. Oh, a couple yeah. of years <laughs> I know. I listen, I, I tried to like rail it in. Like I could have asked her a zillion. I told her she needed to be in the MCU. I did tell her that.
2: Oh, well, yeah, of course. Like it's a shame that she had that she didn't, you know, smack Wanda down and be like, bitch, you're stealing my gig.
1: I know I should have asked her for a, like an exclusive interview right then and there, because I've reached out to her publicist before and her publicist, like we're no longer working together, but. oh, wow! So we had a really insane time with fiery redheads these last few weeks. And now we have mm-hmm. Luciano yeah. on the podcast.
2: I mean, he may not be a ginger, but we love him just as much.
1: I think he looked so much like Sean Ashmore in days of future past when we were talking about that. And like his scruff, I was just like Luciano.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just love that we're all like, he gets it like after talking to him, I, it makes so much sense why I loved his Iceman run as much as, as as I did, because like, he is a gay man of our age who has been reading this, grew up with the same comics that, that, that we did and knows all, has all the references that we do. So like, of course he's going to craft this, this, perfect Iceman story for for the gays of our generation. Like it just makes so much sense.
1: And I love that he was telling us that he ran into Cena Grace at a circuit party in Silver Lake. And I'm like, was Nerd Alert there too? <laughs> like, but can you imagine like literally Luciano and Sina Grace talking at a circuit party in, La- in in LA and nerd alert in the background, like dancing? Like I w- I love that image. I hope that that truly in my head canon, that's how that like, went down. But I mean, I think
2: we know who was wearing the harness in that situation.
1: <laughs> but it was a great interview. You know, we haven't done an interview together in a minute. You were phenomenal, loved it.
2: Well,
1: thanks. You were you were half decent, bitch. I'm always like I'm always worried about clicking around and like looking at the scripts that I love it when there's someone who like is so affable like you are. And he Luciano just got it. I mean, and and by the way, he sold me on Rome. I said Romeo, but I guess is Romero, Romeo, Romeo, Romeo. I'm going to say Romeo. I'm going to
2: say Romeo because I'm going to say this.
1: But he saw the second he was here, like, oh, they met in Miami. And I was like, oh, God. And then how he was talking about trauma and Bobby. It's like, oh, God, you're really selling me on this romance. And I came in ready to fight for Christian, but it's
2: a great interview fun. It's a great interview and I think everyone is, is really going to love it especially anyone who was a fan of, of the Iceman limited series which how could you not be? I mean if anyone who is going to listen to this interview it's just us gushing over how much we, we loved the series so you know get ready for that So let's just
1: plug our socials here because we ended the interview with him plugging a social of who you should be engaging with <laughs> You know, so um, yeah, I'm at yeah. I'm at Power of X Men,
2: and I'm at Flinkman.
1: All right. Well, and with that being said, I'm the Uncanny Day Spring,
2: and I'm the Adjectiveless Flinkman.
1: And here's our interview with Luciano. Familia, we have such an incredible guest today. We got one of our favorite artists who's absolutely incredible, Luciano
0: Vecchio. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Yeah, we are so stoked to have you here today. I mean, your your work on, with Marvel recently, but specifically on Iceman, has just been... So incredible, Uh, such great output, and just in the recent past. Um, So we were really excited uh, to read your work, and we're really excited to have you here today. Luciano.
0: Thank you, thank you.
1: You're doing our Comic-Con exclusive Rogue, and it is beautiful. How did you nail that? Uh
0: uh, I don't know. I just channel my inner child and uh, the classic '90s Um uh, and uh, that uh, south charm from from <laughs> You Got
2: to get that southern sass in there, and you nailed it perfectly. You nailed it perfectly with her yeah. little mid flight nose the,
0: and the big hair.
2: Oh, it had to be the big hair. hair.
1: Well, Flinkman is from Texas, so he loves that big. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Got to have that big Texas lady here, although she's from Mississippi, but I digress.
1: So, Luciana, the reason why we wanted it to be Rogue is because we have Lenore Zan coming in for our X-Men 30th anniversary panel. And we sent her the sticker and she thought it was beautiful. Everyone is DMing us about it. I, I keep saying sticker because that was the design I saw, but we're going to do it as a print and as a sticker. And everyone is going crazy about it.
0: I'm really honored to to be part of it, so thank you. And it's a way for me to be in San Diego because I'm not going, so thank Wait, you for that. You're not going to San Diego? No, no, not this year. I mean, I haven't been in many, many years.
2: Uh,
1: I mean, same. Uh, yeah.
0: Obviously you, you, you got
2: started, you're dabbling in, in writing now, um, but the first I what became familiar with your work was of course your art. Um, so I'm curious, what, what came first, your love of drawing or your love of comics?
0: Uh, they came pretty much hand in hand because I have another brother who uh, collected comics. Uh, so when I was a kid, I mean, every kid starts drawing when they're very young. Yeah. And I just had this big collection of Spanish translation of, of uh, comics, DC and Marvel and other stuff. So they were always part of my playground, part of my everyday life. So, I mean, the, I, I, I played with comics before learning how to read them. So uh, it was all part of the, the same uh, chemistry process.
2: Yeah. And what what comics were what translated comics were you reading as a kid? Were you or were you even just like looking at the pictures?
0: <laughs> uh, the very early years was mostly DC Comics from Pre-Crisis era. So Silver Age and the, the, those early 80s DC Comics uh, was what I had access to. And... Um, the Mexican edition, some from Spain. Um, the um, my access to Marvel comics came a little later, like early nineties.
2: Awesome. I mean, you can't beat those early eighties. I mean, Marvel or DC, early eighties comics. Those are those are where it's at for me personally. I, I think that's like peak comic book intro time. If you came into, if you became a fan of comics in the early eighties, like that's. Who who could blame you? Oh, you have such a boner yeah, exactly. for the eighties, the Outback X Men. <laughs> I do, I do. If it's if basically X Men from like nineteen eighty 1980 to nineteen eighty nine. That's like that's like peak X Men to me. Obviously, the Jim Lee stuff, the 90s stuff, all of it is is fantastic. But you can't you can't beat those those early to mid eighties comics, Luciano. I have a question for you. Um, did some of the characters
1: have different code names? in spanish like i know it was rogue vampira it, it, uh, does that happen like do you get like different I love, it happens
0: a lot. yes like for example well rogue has a lot of names like vampira which is vampire uh, she was called picara in spain which means like a robot in a very <laughs> playful way uh, and in the cartoons she was called titania which doesn't have Nothing to do with anything <laughs> and, like Wolverine was Gepardo or in the cartoon or Lovesno in the Spanish comics. Uh, and yeah, ev- everyone gets weird, different names. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait, what did what was
2: Dazzler called?
0: Dazzler, and I don't remember. No.
2: <laughs> Dazzler is just Dazzler. Experiment. Kylie That's all languages
1: but uh, Luciano, so I have a question: What is the difference since you're writing now and you're obviously you, you draw what is your what is the difference in your approach to characters when you're writing them versus how, when you draw them
0: well it's not much different it's just deeper, and I get to make decisions but for example when when I'm just drawing uh, it depends with the, with which writer I'm collaborating, but I always get very involved with the character when I try to uh, get in their head, even if if it's just for acting and picking their clothes. Or, so, for example, I don't know, when I was drawing Riri Williams in Ironheart or Kamala in Champions, um, I wasn't writing them, but I was living through them and now I get to actually write, I get to go deeper and make my own choices and my own interpretations uh, and with Bobby, I, I don't know, I, I really felt like I got to navigate the fiction through him and uh, like insert myself through through the character and connect in a much more personal way. I don't know if it, if it will happen with everything I write, but with him it gotten for sure.
1: Well, Bobby is such a special character, especially for LGBTQIA plus individuals, but you captured his spirit so well in this Unlimited series and the holiday issue as well. Uh, we have feels on 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 christian and <laughs> romeo
2: we are a house divided here but <laughs> i don't know if we're totally i don't know if we're as divided as you think we are we're we're going to get into that
1: later after we're done getting to know you because christian frost luciano christian
2: frost <laughs> okay okay <laughs> <laughs> Knowing that you know you you got your start obviously with with the art who who was your influence your greatest influences growing up in that those eighties nineties era who did, who most impacted your style
0: uh, I don't know if if it, you can tell anymore because my my style went a different way but the the classic school of George Perez uh, José Luis García López oh, yeah. um, I know Alan Davis were were the first big artists that I looked up to and tried to imitate. Uh, But then, when I don't know, with the Batman animated series, Christine came along and changed the paradigm. And and I started watching anime and and reading manga also. And I started to mix influences. so that was the 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 basis, the 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 root yeah. of my influences. But then it came became from all over, like a weird mix.
2: Yeah, I think you have a, a really super unique style. It's actually a super refreshing style for for the X-Men comics specifically, which can have a tendency to sort of look like one thing uh, for a long period of time. And I really think you've brought in like a, a breath of fresh air, but when you say alan davis and 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 anime influences i can see like both of those in in your work that's like a really beautiful marriage uh and i can totally see those those that's this you know merging of styles uh, on the page for sure
1: well because you have the fluidity of alan davis and then you have the style that can be very anime and it's very like high octane you know what i mean like I feel, I think what you said, Flink, like refreshing is a really good word because when I see your art, Luciano, it's just so kinetic and, and, and fluid on the panel. And I just, I love fol- <clears throat> I love following the panel, you know, with your art because it's just so lucid, you know, everything just feels like it streams together. Sorry, we're discussing over here. Thank you.
0: you. Well, now that you mentioned that, I think the, the first artist that was a big influence for that specifically was Fogel on detective comics in the yeah. 90s yeah I remember watching those pages and it was like seeing an animation in 2d <laughs> and I wanted to, to be able to do that yeah uh, so that's another big influence
2: yeah wow. awesome i can I can see it I can see it so so sort of back to the the growing up with comics uh, era of your life who was your favorite X-Men growing up? And, and are they
0: still your favorite X-Men now? <laughs> uh, without knowing them that much, uh, I remember Nightcrawler was the, the coolest oh, yeah. looking and kind of hot and uh, so different to anything else. Like, I, I love how he has like two different power sets in one character. The, mm-hmm. they, they don't necessarily have to do with each other, but it, it works. Uh, so yeah, I think that when I was a kid, Nightcrawler had uh, that wow factor for me.
2: Oh yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, Nightcrawler was was huge for me. You know, anyone that was in those early waves of X Men action figures, like like Nightcrawler with his suction cups on his hands, uh, <laughs> it's gonna be like super nostalgic for me for sure. The, I like, like
0: playing him in the video game. Oh yes! Uh, was <laughs> the, it your
1: favorite one in the arcade?
0: No, in the Sega. Uh, what, what do you call it in English? The Mega Drive. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: the Sega Genesis. Yeah, yeah. You know sixteen
0: bits. Yeah, right. He was uh, there. Was a an X Men game, and he uh, played with the car. That's oh, we... right.
2: He was one of those playable characters, and that's <laughs> so weird because he wasn't even like on the animated series. You think they would have? Oh, of course! <laughs> I got <laughs> it right
1: there. I
2: love this. This
1: game was my childhood, and when you had to, oh, um, when you had to turn off the console <laughs> because it was a, resetting the danger room, I just endless frustration <laughs> as a kid. I just went back to SNES <laughs> and played Street Fighter. I was like done. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm looking at some of the art you did, uh, you've done of Nightcrawl. He's so sexy <laughs> the way you've rendered him.
0: He sure is. i with the bird. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> wait when he has a full bar oh yeah yeah
1: Mm, mm. we love that i'm seeing this other uh image you did it's supposed to be a parody of wolverine gene and cyclops but you have wolverine storm and nightcrawler let me put it in the chat
0: (laughs) i mean uh, storm had a a history with both of them so if we're doing troubles I'm much more interested in that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty
1: hot thruple. Listen, I mean, I l- let me see here. Here, yeah, I put it in the chat for you, Blink. I listen. I love the idea of a thruple. Um, yes, I never even thought what would my thruple be. It would probably be Northstar, Iceman, and and Kyle. I guess it would have to be Kyle.
0: Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I like friendship <laughs> between queer characters also. So I don't know if I would pair them by now.
1: I think maybe I would also do Madeline Pryor, <laughs> Nate Gray, and Adam X. Oh my god! Oh, um. <laughs> uh, wait, I don't think Nate Gray and Adam X could be in a thruple. <laughs> well, I
2: guess I'm you know, like that's that's, <laughs> all, that's like the most questionable
1: thruple I've <laughs> ever of all, like you could possibly pick. I'm just trolling. Some people who listen. <laughs> do you have a thruple that you would do?
2: I I mean. I'm going to keep it really boring and I'm going to keep it an existing couple and just throw in Bobby. So Richter, Shatterstar and Iceman. Like, oh, that's I'll, a good one. That's, that's you awesome. know, I'll keep it, I'll keep it simple. That one might not be the most creative I could think of, but it works for me. Okay. It can we'll be see.
0: a one night scene. It doesn't need to be a thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: We're all about those one night stands here for the X characters.
2: <laughs> yeah. I It's like, we need more one-night stands among the X-Men. They're always trying to jump into these deep relationships, and look how well that always turns out. For them. Never,
1: never. <laughs> so, Luciano, because we are shady here, we're going to ask, who's your least favorite X-Man?
0: <laughs> I guess I, I never really connected with Colossus. <sighs>
1: interesting we've never gotten colossus is so loved especially now since uh he did the hellfire gala why colossus
0: i it was just an impression i mean, I mean um, the same from even from before reading the comics just the the visual and uh, what he looked like and I, I, I never got into him early on and it never happened
2: Yeah, I'm not usually the biggest fan of, like, the muscle of the team. I'm never, I'm never, like, Superman doesn't really do it for me. Colossus, you know, he's an iconic X-Men character. But at the end of the day, I find his power set kind of, kind of boring. You know, he's just a metal, a metal strong guy. I like, I like the more inventive tortured mutants, personally.
1: (laughs) Well, you know why I love Colossus? I love Colossus because of his history with X-Men lore and magic specifically. I really, I do yeah, love, I love that. Magic. Yeah, I, I love, really love magic love. as well. So I do love that tie there. But I'm, oh, and the the X-Men issue where he sacrifices himself for the legacy virus. And he says that line, snowflake, I'm coming home. And then I love this story. I think it was in an unlimited issue where Kitty thinks she's seen him. It's like this random cop. So in that regard is when I really like Colossus, when he has a really so when he was dead. Him. So when he was dead or someone he loved died. <laughs> but yeah, as a character, like I remember being kind of disappointed in Astonishing X-Men when it was him revealed that he was going to, you know, break the uh, break world and he came back because we all thought it was going to be Miss Jean Grey. But... <laughs>
2: Did you see my eye roll? I oh, no. rolled.
1: Luciano. He's so mean to me every time I talk about Jean Grey.
2: <laughs> hey, Jean Grey is great, but she is. There are like dozens and dozens of other X Men. It's not all about Jean Grey,
1: L- Luciano. Your thoughts on Jean Grey, please?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I love Jean. I, but I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. But maybe my main um my actual uh starting point with reading comics when i finally started learning how to read in english and i was catching up with the, what was current at the moment was new x-men by Grant morrison so that's my x-men which is uh very unusual i guess Oh, no, uh, we love that. that that's, that's the, the, they are the cosmic heart and I love shooting there. So,
2: so, so we love the one thing we agree on constantly across the board is how amazing Grant Morrison new X-Men is. And I will say like Grant Morrison, Jean Grey is the best Jean Grey there Perfect. is. Perfect. That was when she was like stepping out on her own, becoming an independent character, making her own decisions. Like those, that that version of Jean, two thumbs up. I I, I love new new X Men Jean, so no qualms. You're going to get no pushback from either of us there. And
0: <laughs> and it is like the the ultimate arc for her. Um, I mean, I think New X Men uh, Morrison's X Men can be read as a standalone story. Yeah, in okay. fact, I. I I consider it that, like, that is Magneto. Sorn is Magneto. Uh, So if you read it out of continuity and uh, the recons that came before, the after, um, I think it works as uh, the quintessential Shin story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at the end,
1: she saves the universe by pushing Scott to be with Emma. I've always said this. Mm -hmm. I love Jean in the White Hot Room, operating on a cosmic level. I love her as White Phoenix. And Morrison, they sold me on the Scott and Emma romance. For me, Scott and Emma make more sense than Gene and Scott today. you know. And I feel the books, for such a long time, were a reaction to Morrison. And I know... It- house Mm of m happened but you still had that core morrison vibe and the reason why house of m was so powerful was because we we saw in new x-men that mutants were going to inherit the earth they were becoming the majority and that's why when wanda robs them of the x gene why it's so powerful so we're on the same page and morrison brought us back to comics i did it wait you mentioned you that's when you were already like full blown, fluent in English, and you were able to read. Did you ever have a period where you stopped reading comics and did Morrison bring you back? Or did you just continue reading from Zero Tolerance, Heroes Reborn? To No,
0: I, I never stopped, but I didn't read X-Men before uh, in Spanish. I mean, I read a few random arts here and there, but uh, in Argentina, we had local edition of DC Comics and not Marvel. So uh, getting access to Marvel Comics was more difficult, more random and in mixed order. Like I will jump from an uh, arc in the 80s to one in the middle of the 90s and back and forth. So it, it didn't, but I never stopped reading comics uh, in my whole life.
1: Okay, well, that's interesting that you said that, that you got the comics in mixed order and they were really difficult to come by because in the Marvel Voices Pride issue, you did recap all of the LGBTQIA (laughs) plus history of comics, and it was very thorough and and well done. So how did you go ahead? How did you piece all of that together? Because we had access to comics. We couldn't even do what you did there.
0: Uh, well, I did my homework. <laughs> um, i <I'm laughs> clearly did your homework. That yeah, I'm that kind of mirror I'm very methodic. Like I made a um very intense internet swipe of everything that happened. I made a longer list of everything that had a huge representation in in Marvel and in comics in general. Uh, to get a broader view and then focus on what I wanted to rescue and show so i i have to say it, it is a bit of a collaboration with the readers because there's so many people uh, like the uh, gay lead website which has been around since uh, for decades and uh, are making an archive of these subjects and uh, i know everyone who does wikis and records everything is super helpful and um, so i i i feel like it's a uh feedback between readers and creators and i can take care of it uh, just myself so yeah i do that i made a a, a very big list of events and then try to figure out how to put it on page, because uh, it had to start with North Star and, and then go backwards. And then I see, uh, I mean, it's very meta, the, the the story. That as you get closer to the present, it's, it gets more and more difficult to uh, say, oh, this is an important uh, event, because it's just Uh, another event of representation and it's okay. Uh, So I wanted to reflect that also, how an abundance of representation means uh, you get to enjoy without having to be everything, having to be super important or super uh, discursive, you know?
1: Yeah, it was just so powerful to see it all on on a page.
2: Yeah, it really was quite impactful just to see, you know, the, the the history that that really is there. And like like you said, we really I think it's interesting that you know comic creators are honestly using the same fan sites and wiki pages that we are. You know, we've read all of this stuff over the years, but it's not just fresh top in our minds. So like truly, shout out to the fans who who take the time to keep wikis updated and run fan sites for keeping not just us fans on track, but comic creators as well, because there's a lot to keep up with. I'm I'm a viejito. Yeah. I'm
1: forgetting everything now. Like I'm 38 now. I forget yeah. everything. I forget my own birthday.
0: <laughs> me too, me too. I'm 39 and... Uh...
1: Look how beautiful that is, man. <laughs>
0: okay. Like the, the, your art. Uh, I, I really wanted the chance to redraw in my style those iconic like, moments, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I was that reader too. Now that you mentioned, um, like when I was young and I learned, I perfected my English through translating, um, uh, like bio pages from DC Secret Files and uh, Marvel handbooks, and I maintained a Shiro web webpage when I was a, a teenager. Oh, I did <laughs> too. We, we, before wikipedia existed uh so i was that reader also and i always had that archivist side uh, to my nerdism so i here i got the chance to to use that part of of the way i i like consuming content.
1: Luciano, I'm in love with you right now. You mentioned too, <laughs> GeoCities. <laughs> I love the idea that you are probably part of a web ring. So a on that, B, yeah, I love. I love. It's probably
0: out there. <laughs> Still, I don't know.
1: Oh, we're gonna find it. But I find ask... your geo cities. because I think Flink and I are the same way. Like there is an activist, like an activist slant to our nerdum. You know, like. Mm -hmm. It always confuses me people who've read the X-Men and are like, why are the X-Men political? I'm like, have you ever picked up, have you read an issue of the, it it is in your face smacking you. It's not, it's not coy by any means. And I think that's what makes X-Stance in particular, very passionate, um, very empathetic Mm -hmm. to the characters and projecting into um, stories like Iceman that you did, because a lot of the creators are, like you were there, they have this passion, they put themselves in the character and there is this very relevant slant to the X-Men.
2: There always has been. I mean, my goodness, Magneto in X-Men number one was just fighting for his place in the world. And that is a very bold statement to make in the 1960s at the, at the height of civil rights. So just anyone who says the X-Men aren't political or are are just not paying attention at all, like
0: at all, not at all. Um, superheroes comics in general I mean the very basis of superheroes is using your power your privilege to uh, take a stance for what is right yeah. and it, it, if that is not political what is
2: I mean yeah Captain America punching Hitler is that that's not political at all <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so circling back to to you know to, to, to comics, um, why to, to, to Iceman in particular, um, why do you think it is that Iceman resonates so much with, with comic readers?
0: Uh, I don't know if it's always been like that. I mean, for me, it's, it's been a big change since he came out in 2015. Uh, because I found like I, I could relate to that experience, I I didn't come out that late in life but I did hold on to, to my denial for as long as I could and that was when I turned 21 which I think is very late uh, to come to terms with your own sexuality uh, like so I, I could relate to to that element of his uh, new development and uh reading his past and seeing it in, in that light of a person living in the closet and trying really hard to be in denial. Uh, not just hiding, but denying himself. And I live that. <laughs> a lot of people did. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's it's just uh a part of everyday life that we didn't get to see much before
2: yeah and i honestly i i I kind of agree with what you said you know bobby was i i didn't i wasn't a huge iceman fan prior prior to his coming out uh, as well of course anytime there's suddenly an a-list x-men character who's suddenly gay i'm you know that's going to catch my my attention for sure but he was the perfect character. You touched on it in, in your response. He was the perfect character for something like this because you can go back in his history and you can see, you know, sort of put the context of him struggling with his sexuality on, on these character moments he's had since, since the 60s. So uh, I, I think once you apply the context to, to his entire history, it makes total sense. And he was the perfect character in hindsight for them to, to have gone this route with
1: you've been reading age of apocalypse on, on the podcast and we started before a little bit before Legion quest. So when Bobby takes that road trip to Montauk with rogue, and then he goes to see his parents, it's there. The subtext is there. You know what I mean? Like he's here, like rogue, you're going to pretend to be my girlfriend. And she's like, what, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. paraphrasing what the scene was, but his, his insecurity with his, not only his identity, but with his powers. Like he can't fully realize his powers because he's not secure with himself. That's why in such a pivotal moment with Emma Frost coming in and unleashing that power is like a big aha moment for him and why he should have ended up with Christian Frost, but that's for later. (laughs) (laughs) I digress. I digress, but I think to what everyone is saying there, it's, it's true it's always been there there's no anyone who says like that came out of nowhere no it, it's been planted for a while and we'll we'll cite that infamous scene of gene and bobby at barnes and noble <laughs> and and him Purple being pants like pants in a chain wallet he saying gay. you know i love to shop right and she's like bobby what do you mean i'm not reading your mind <laughs> i love our <laughs> Jean, but you know what she was doing there <laughs> Shady lady. <laughs> Shady lady. But wait, so what did you think of Sean Ashmore and his performance as, as Iceman?
0: I like him. I haven't watched the movies in many, many years. I I don't think Iceman as a character got a lot of respect in those movies, especially the way he dies in <laughs> the future past. But um, I think he was okay. And I, I actually kind of uh He was in my mood board for redesigning Bobby for the comic with the full bird. Also, I, I like birds, <laughs> I like facial hair.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say, so, I could see that the days of future past Bobby with his beard totally. I can mm-hmm. see that reflected in your version of Bobby, absolutely. You kind of look like him, you kind of look like him with the beard in days of future past.
0: Uh, no comments. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah we love we, we 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 love bobby in days of future past but you know i i don't think he got the tlc he deserved especially in last stand because i hate that mm-hmm. line where rogue is like bobby you only have one thing on your you're a guy you only have one thing on your mind i'm like mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i do think x2 that scene where he comes out as a mutant uh, to his mom well yes that I thought
0: that was, that thought was, that was a really
1: beautiful I remember seeing that i was i was i'm closer to your i am your age Luciano, and I remember being in the theater as a teenager thinking oh that's how I came out to my mom mm-hmm.
0: yeah i think that that's the actually the the seal uh, the uh, of feisman coming out in the comics and in general I think that that scene uh was like, the, the, the basis. Yeah. Because, yeah. That was what it was talking about.
2: Jumping back to the comics, of course, we, you, you worked on uh, the holiday issue, uh, and Iceman was a prominent player uh, in that. Was this Iceman series planned by the time you did that holiday issue, or did that, come out, did that just spin out from you doing that?
0: No, yeah, actually, it was the opposite. I've been working on the series since last year, Uh, So, yeah, I was halfway through it when they offered me to do a a holiday issue. And it could have been any character. I could propose anything. But I proposed to do, like, an extra episode uh, that works as a little of a, a pilot or preview to the series. So, I actually made that episode in the middle of doing the the main series so that's how how i mostly i wanted to establish the timeline in that one uh because uh here we finally get to address how young bobby and adult bobby are the same person and the the time loop closes and uh we didn't get to, to explore that dynamic within himself before, and I wanted to use that story between uh, other reasons to establish that, that having him flashing his life before his mind, before his eyes, uh, in, a, in the five seconds he's taken to, to fall uh, to the ground, and as an excuse to, to show his life. And so this is where I will be starting the series afterwards. I
2: I really have to say something that I appreciate a lot about, both about the, the holiday special and most especially about the Iceman series, is that you did make it clear that Teen Bobby and this adult Bobby are one and the same. Adult Bobby has Teen Bobby's memories, because that really hasn't been touched on too much, and I feel like, there was a lot of character work and a lot of character progression that came out of teen Bobby that kind of just really easily like, Oh, he went back to the past. All of that is, is kind of a race, but you made it a point to, to sort of make that, that idea and, and the memories of teen Bobby and the experience he's had very central to the version of, of Iceman that showed up, Uh, in the series and, and chief among them, you know, was, was bringing in Romeo and not just bringing in Romeo, but aging him up to an appropriate age where, where he and Bobby could, could pick up where they left off. And I, I personally thought that that was wonderful. You know, I'm not saying, you know, Bobby and Romeo forever here. I think, I think as, you know, a, a newly out gay man, Bobby deserves to, Feel his oats a little, you know. He deserves to see what's out there before committing himself to somebody. But I do really, really appreciate. You know, we invested a lot of time in in the, the teen versions of of the original five X Men in the future, and then it kind of felt like it was just like Zhoop! washed away there. So I really love that you made it the you know made it a focal point uh,
0: of the series. Well, thank you. I mean. It's been established in Canon before. Uh, We only got to see it with Bobby at the end of the previous Seismal volume, or actually in the the special that came after the series that Sina did, uh, where he confronts the future Bobby uh, uh, Ice Master, and it's clear in that story that uh, he, Regain the memories.
2: Yeah.
0: and in in Champions we have Cyclops, adult Cyclops, remembering this time with the Champions as he's still friends with the Champions. Yeah. So that is canon. Uh, it just was an explorer, but I think it. I mean, nobody planned it like this, but it became the core trauma for Bobby as a character, because I mean. Right now, actually, we are experiencing what it can be to go backwards, to lose rights, to uh, go back into the closet. Some people are leaving it already. And Bobby, as a character, went through that willingly. And on top of that, he he forgot about his experience, his truth, and his happiness and he chose to grow up as a person in the closet, that has to be the most painful experience I can imagine. And I think that, I mean, if you read Bobby's history, uh, his backstory, with that in mind, it's super tragic. Yeah. And you can understand so much about who he is, how he acts, and how he... uh, he's his worst enemy sometimes <laughs> yeah, uh, well, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah yeah that exterminated <clears throat> exterminated scene where they go back and bobby's like so everything i've done every all the progress i've had has to go back in the closet and it, it is really tragic the way you just said it now and now i feel terrible about my next question about why he should have been <laughs> christian because now i understand why it would be <laughs> romeo and, and why you went that route and, and, and aging him up, because that was a hugely traumatic event for Bobby. And now he has to, in that moment when they go back and then in the present, their memories get unlocked, he is now living with that trauma, that moment traumatized him. So I love that now, now I love that he has a second chance with Will, <laughs> even though I think Christian crosses is soulmate and how dare you not have them end up together at the end of this issue. But what? what when you were playing around with those ideas, I mean, was that sort of the baseline um, on where you wanted him to end up with Romeo it was because of that tragedy and giving them a second chance, which is so beautiful. And you know, bringing Christian in there and seeing Christian as more of a supportive figure for him.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I did want to know more about Romeo. I call him Romeo in in Spanish because uh, they met in Miami, so I think Romeo might be Latino.
2: Uh, All
0: right. Maybe he, he he can be even be Argentinian and have this accent I don't know <laughs> but anyway <laughs> uh, so yeah I wanted to, to yeah reparations like I feel Young Bobby was robbed of all that and I feel like however it works out uh, I mean I, I, I don't think they're just endgame and now they have to be boyfriend forever they are going, and, and at the end of the series, Romeo says that exactly, like, let's take it one date at a time. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, whatever happens, I think it's it's good for Bobby. Uh, he, he deserves that. And, and I want to explore more about Christian also because we didn't get to see on panel how how they, went from uh, not really liking each other very much in in the previous season series to being a couple, so I wanted to get a closer look at how they connect uh how this does this work how does this not work uh but now I'm curious about your take like uh, what do you like about christian and and why they should be uh, soulmates, but <laughs> in your either, in either case, um, one of my points with the shift was like playing with the idea, like, will he go this way or the other? Mm-hmm. But it's not what the story is really about. The, the story is more about uh, validating all your loves and how they can even collaborate with each other for uh, supporting you. <laughs> uh, which is what uh, spoilers. This is what happens at the end. is it's, it's not important who he ends up with uh, as much as how they all love each other some in some way. Well, what I love about I
1: I agree with you. And and all kidding aside, the thing that I love about this story that you wrote was that it, it's that very Carrie Bradshaw mentality. The most important relationship of all is the one you have with yourself. And I think that's what we see at the end with Bobby dancing and sort of embracing his identity and having very positive relationships with all these people in his life, you know, that he's had romantic ties with. And let me tell you, for that inhuman, you are just selling me on him. I forgot they met in Miami. I'm from <laughs> Miami. I grew up in Miami. So the fact that they met there. Now I'm so you've sold me on him.
2: So <laughs> so easy, so easily swayed.
1: I'm like, thank you, Luciano, for like selling me on because I was gonna be like, no the inhumans, no ah, but now like, you talk about him though, and 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 especially that 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 tragic tragedy with Bobby. I, I really do love it. And what by the way, that's one of the things I told my husband when we were reading your series as it was publishing, and, and Flink and I were talking about it, was how positive and uplifting these relationships were. And they could have easily been dismissed. Christian could have been easily dismissed as toxic. And no, you actually went out of your way to write Christian as being really supportive of Bobby. And in the end, joining forces to make sure that he is okay. It was, you just did it so well.
0: Thank you so much. try. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that all of all of the characters in this were very dimensional. They had there was layers to these characters like Christian, what, you know, he is the way he is, but he also showed a caring side, a trusting side. Like we can see, you know, we can see what Bobby would would see in him, whereas in Marauders or in the past, the relationship has been very kind of off panel we haven't seen it you know what they truly what kind of their relationship really is so it was nice to sort of you know i love christian frost because he's emma frost's brother he was a big part of morrison's you know emma frost arc you know fleshing out her character so you know like dayspring i'm 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 john the christian i love him he was one of the early lgbtq uh X X character examples that we have, but it was really here that that he got that he got fleshed out. So even if I'm not saying, you know, in the end I'm, I'm team Bobby and Christian, it's nice to see layered gay men. And exactly. like have the, the layers of their relationships with one another. It doesn't have to be because you know uh, that is a big part of the gay community, is you know, it's not necessarily we're not necessarily known for our I mean, I'm a married man, Day Spring's a married man, but we're not necessarily known exactly for 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 monogamy. And that can sometimes be portrayed in media like comics and television. Uh, negatively, but I think you framed it in a very beautiful way that even if they're not partners for life, like their relationship what isn't meaningless, if that if all that makes sense.
1: Well and, it, yes. And also like we're friends with our ex. I think more like gay men, I can only speak for gay men, but like yeah. we, we keep friendly relationships with exes. I'm sorry <laughs> I cut you off Luciana. And
0: my, my my ex is my best friend um uh... <laughs> I am friends with key sexes and that happens. I mean, th- that's how we, we challenge cultural no- notions about what relationships should be and how we build something different. And I wanted to share that too in, in my story.
1: I love that. And, and Mike, to what you're, excuse me, to flank, as to what you were saying, Christian being <laughs> one of those first characters, that was present that was lgbtqia plus facing like in the emma frost series he's holding his boyfriend's hand and that was omitted from the target edition at the time Mm -hmm. i know but that's how groundbreaking the character was and you did such a great job with him so even though we're, we're just joking around here about the christian and bobby romance your portrayal and everything in the series i think that's why it sort of resonated so well with with everyone i i don't as people who are actively involved in the X-Men community. People got opinions, as you know. But everyone, seemed, it seems like it was unanimous. A lot of people who were reading your your Iceman series, everyone loved it. Everyone had nothing but positive things to say. And it's because you poured so much into it and you gave out very fleshed
0: out characters. Wow, I really appreciate it. I try to not look too much into... Uh... I know, I letting the, the readers have the, their discussions without me being part of it. And uh, I think that's healthy to do as a creator. But it's really nice to, to hear what you think.
1: OK, but here's a pitch for the second series. So, and I'm going to throw it back to Flink afterwards. But here's <laughs> here this, here how great this would be Christian and Iceman end up together and they get engaged. And Emma Frost has to plan the wedding with Iceman. And the entire series is them butting heads on planning a wedding. Because you know, Emma would control the shit out of that.
0: <laughs> she would make a wedding. She would make a yeah.
2: birthday. I'm sorry. It would that. happen
0: at the Hellfire Gala. <laughs> Go, flame. Go. Go.
2: Okay, so so obviously, you know, if we're talking about Iceman and his history as as you know an LGBTQ character, we can't get too far into the discussion without acknowledging that Cena Grace, of course, uh, had a huge hand in, in in shaping who who Bobby is now. Did you speak with him at all uh, before you started on this series, or did he give you any any advice uh, on how to write Bobby?
0: uh yes actually i mean when he was doing his seismic series i was uh like writing like i I want to be drawing this Uh, i i hope you get to do another volume when i get to draw it like i was super uh into that series as uh, as, i mean it that series uh was a a break point for me as a creator like if i could pick I realized I wanted to work with actually representation, um, and I and I felt like I could uh, invest myself in a much more uh, complex and uh, complete and honest way. Um, so when the time came, I was well. Right now, I'm traveling in Spain. Last year, I was traveling the west coast. So. I got the chance to I actually r- ran into Sina at a party <laughs> by chance and I got the chance to tell him in person that I was doing this which for me was very important uh, uh you know like find someone you admire and he was I it, it was uh, a really big, big pair of shoes to fill uh, so, yeah it was really nice to, to have that chance to to have a chat in person and his advice was to have fun with Bobby like focusing on the fun part of the character, even if he's complex and and can get really dark too uh and I took that to heart and I think that shows <laughs> anyway. yeah yeah so yeah
1: you had so much fun with the character and I, yeah, I mean, I don't listen. There are two different kinds of shoes. Cena has a certain pair. You have a certain pair. But there is a bridge here with those narratives. And I think you each put your mark on the character and it's fun. I it, Bobby just feels so present, especially how you write him. So how did you how did you go about coming to the decision that Bobby's dad needed to die in the story? Because obviously he was such a big part of Cena's run. And for Bobby, I mean, since the 90s, this character, he's had a very complicated relationship. You know, I was just reading Zero Tolerance. He was on good standings with his dad during Zero Tolerance. And then you get to see us. They're not on good terms. And then when we get to you, he actually passes. Not only does he pass, but he refused to take any of the mutant drugs.
0: Which was something that I felt was relevant at the moment last year with what is happening with the uh, section of the public and their relation to medicine, and uh, so yeah, I, I figure that that was that could be the stand he will take in a world where mutant medicine exists, and we didn't get to see that much in in comics in Krakow era so far. Uh, I feel yeah like. Part of the human public will uh, react that way, like uh, with denial, with uh, choosing uh, their own terms, you know? Um, And I felt um, like there to add to their uh, bond and their relation, like it has run its course, and uh, I was being a little petty. Like, I, I really wanted that man there so many
1: times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, uh... but you did it in a very, you know, I, I think Cena did this as well. And we talked to as a friend of the podcast. We've had him on very several times. I think Cena did this best with the parents. It's fleshed out, you know, and, and, and Bobby's yeah. dad, even in the, the scene of mm-hmm. his passing with you, you flushed him out very well like you understood that kind of character and why yeah I agree with you I think the relationship has run its course that's it you know from a narrative perspective
0: um it's been like one of the contacts constants of Bobby's life like I think his three contacts are his parents his power levels and now his trauma about time travel and Uh, The Uh, closest. I I wanted to maybe focus on that transition to what his core is. But I felt like the the relationship with the father was. uh, um, I can't personally relate to that. I have very great parents. Um, But I had a a father in law, (laughs) very much like Bobby's dad. Okay. Uh, so I I I guess I channel a bit of that experience where it's just a mess, you know, it's sometimes it's okay, sometimes it's good, cool, sometimes it's really bad, and it doesn't seem the, the good part will ever make up for the bad part. And then it ends and you don't get to get any resolution. You just have to deal with the hard fact that people die and not everything uh, comes with with an answer.
1: Joan Didion said that in Year of Magical Thinking that there are certain relationships that will just never have a thematic conclusion. That's it, you know, they, they die, there'll be no resolution to sort of that relationship and I think that's very powerful that you gave that to Bobby.
2: Well, and not to get like super, super dark and heavy, but I, my father actually passed away within the last, the last year or so. And I kind of had the relationship, the the, the difficult relationship that that Bobby had with his father, uh, you know, where there, there just wasn't always sometimes, you know, things would be good, but there just wasn't that underlying base of, of support um, that, that a lot of people get from their father. And I felt like, the way you wrote Bobby reacting to to his father's death, it felt it felt very true. It felt a very familiar, like how kind of I reacted. Like obviously, it was earth shattering for a moment, but you have to you know acknowledge the the tough part of the relationship and sort of realize that. You did, you know, all that you could to to make it work, and like 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 Day Spring said, like you're not going to be able to to just resolve everything and have a great relationship with everyone. So, you know, I just personally, I wanted to thank you for for writing such, you know, a, a true to life sort of of scenario. Um, I, I felt very that that's that a kind of overall. This 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 series made me feel very seen. Uh, in a way that that I that I hadn't in comics before, and that I think is is all down to your interpretation of the character and his his relationships.
0: Thank you. That's the biggest compliment for me. So basically, um, we
1: want you to write every happy. next book now. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> What, what are you? What, what's your next next book? Like, come
1: on, we need more. We need we more. need you every
0: week. But um... <laughs> um, I would love to. I. I don't have any, uh, any plans yet uh, to keep writing, but I really love the experience. I mean, this is my first time work uh, writing long term for as an assignment uh, for hire, because I I did my on stuff before uh, in such a long format, so that was. Pretty new for me and um, i like the i really like the process with my editor Sarah Winston. um it was like a learning on the go um and yeah i want to do more so i you, i hope so too
1: it would never have been seen as learning on the go you it was a flawless story but anyways i'm sorry <laughs> for like, i cut you off
2: Oh no no it's totally fine. Um, just sort of sort of following up on on you know the family aspect. I think something else that you really nailed, uh, in in the book, you know, beyond Bobby's complicated relationship uh, with his family, which is very very you know rings true to a lot of people in the LGBTQ community. Um, but something you did focus on was sort of his found family, um, the X Men, Firestar you know the the I affectionately call him the x gays so you know Richter and northstar uh he it's clear that he has this really strong support system uh that is not his family but might as might as well be and like I said, the idea of found family to the lgbtq community is is super important. How important was it for you to sort of work that in and did it influence the 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 cast of characters you chose?
0: um yeah i mean it's also the fun family and queer peers that are in romantic or sexual uh, relationships but friendships um are so important in our, in our lives and yeah. so particular and different <clears throat> and we uh, we didn't get to see much of that in comics we through comics history we mostly focus on romantic relationships and so showing friendship is something very important for me Um, i to me uh, a big moment that showed that was the uh, extremist series by ilia williams where she showed this this friendship with North Star Bobby and, and Victor, And even if it was a uh, pocket reality that kind of connects with the main one.
1: Uh, Age of access. I mean man. I remember
0: the impact of that uh, that comic for me, that that episode specifically. And um, so I wanted to uh, bring that trio back. Uh, awesome. And and say like this is still happening, and this is how how it happens. Like uh, talking about their lives, teasing each other, uh, like we do with our friends. Uh.
1: Well, that scene of them at the table—I know Flink loved that scene because we DM'd each <laughs> other the second
2: it happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: i i have to give you a shout out for richter's hat i love richter's i hat. knew you were gonna say the hat i knew i it. love he, the hat loved
0: richter's hat Luciana, you have you know, you love <laughs> two kinds of people some people love it and some hate it and have to tell it to me <laughs> anyone who hates I, it just doesn't yeah, have any was, fashion sense <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah that, that that's uh part of uh queer aesthetic also so
2: yeah, yeah. So, so thinking about how Bobby was presented from a power standpoint, I mean, you showed him, you know, with ice golems fighting lava men. He had Megazord Iceman fighting a kaiju. We had the mystical Ice Master, you know, versus the Frost Giant. He single-handedly took down Terax. I mean, you were really flexing Bobby's Omega mutant muscles here, and and that's something that has been kind of portrayed a little spotty uh, in the past. There's been a lot more talking about his potential than, than showing of it uh, over the years. Was it was it important for you to to really demonstrate that this power level is real and,
0: and not just potential? Um, actually, I feel like it was already established many times. Um, but yes, it's been spotty. The, the portrayal of these power levels changes all the time.
2: Yeah.
0: Like he will go from stopping Shagrin out in the X-Men series to, uh, I don't know, uh, because it becomes a trap, uh, a writing trap to have such an overpowered character. So I feel everyone has to deal with that. And sometimes the way you deal with that is uh, toning down his power level. So I wanted to, I asked myself, how does it make sense uh, within the story? Um, so my ultimate goal was to justify uh, that he doesn't have to be that Omega-level mutant all the time uh, and save the world by himself. And in fact, he shouldn't do that because it's not healthy. Uh, <laughs> so I hope that from now on, whenever you see his power levels going up and down. It would make sense if he's navigating that. Yeah,
2: yeah, it makes perfect sense. He can't operate at Omega level all all the time. It was just it was nice to have an explanation. It was nice to see somebody really dig into you know, a consistent use of that power and and what it means, you know, for him physically, obviously it wore him all the way out. So as it should, he shouldn't be able to just operate at that potential all the time. So I thought it was really important to to level set exactly, you know, what that potential is rather than just always being like, Oh yeah, he's got this potential and sometimes he can, (laughs) he can do this, but other times he can't.
0: Uh, Recently I described to someone, Uh, now it's done, I feel what the series is about is self exploitation in the search for law in the wrong places, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is something we do with our lives all the time. And um, I think we have to be careful about that.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, speaking of him being exhausted, let's talk about that harness that he's wearing. <laughs> um Okay, so I saw the tweet. Where, where is it from? What party in LA was it from? I don't think I followed up. What, what was the party? And was Jason Alucino, aka Nerd Alert, there? But what was the party oh, that you were referencing in LA?
0: Um, it's called uh, Birds in Space. That's why <laughs> the, the bird has a, a bird in Space t-shirt, and I... it's uh, an open air party in Silver Lake, mm. which is in fact where I met So I I love the idea
1: of you and Cena at a party in Silver (laughs) Lake. (laughs) Like that to me is like if we walked in and we saw you guys there, we would die. We would literally (laughs) scream.
0: (laughs) But Uh, we will share a drink and we'll cover (laughs) up.
1: But speaking of looks for Bobby in your issue, in your series, excuse me, you know, you gave him a new costume. Tell us about that <laughs> new costume, the 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 design, how it, how you came up with it, all that fun stuff.
0: Um, well, I, I felt like he. I mean, I love costume design in general. Like I, I love doing that process of studying everything a character wore through their history and figuring out what is iconic, what is what speaks about the character, and making uh a synthesis of all that in uh, into a new costume so i felt um it's really hard to make ice look cool ironically uh, like he has a very bland design uh historically like it's just a white silhouette and when and the approach to make it cooler was to giving spikes, <laughs> which I then, I, I, I put my opinion of, on that on the story itself. So I wanted to explore what else would I do. Um, uh, so the the full body jumpsuit comes from Young Bobby in All New X-Men. Yeah. Um, so that, that's the, the format uh, I wanted to go with, but I wanted to keep it all white, so whether he freezes or unfreezes, it looks almost the same. Um, that combined with the facial hair that we were promised in his future self, Face Master. So it, it has to start sometime. I mean, the, the previous Iceman volume ended with him growing a scruff. And <laughs> so I, I wanted to, to pick up from there. And, and, and um, by the way, he has scruff the, the, all the, the
1: time, like yes, yes, e- yes, even yes, in yes. Age of Apocalypse, like the the issues leading up to it. I love scruffy Bobby.
0: Yeah, me too, me too. Um, and I because I I feel that when Kaper freezes up the the ice craft looks very cool and much cooler than spikes in his shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> or, <Fair. and> I, <laughs> um so I wanted to, to go that to go back to what is iconic. It's a white silhouette with boots. And then I added the the blue highlights playing with the X brand and typography. And it came almost by accident that I mixed the DX the and the I and made a uh, snowflake logo. Uh, and I uh, it's in that word, and I went with it. Uh, not much else. Um, I was playing with with how to uh, highlight the shoulders or arms, and landed on that pseudo, uh harness shape, which isn't really a harness. It's a it's uh, something in his costume. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I also. Wanted that to work when he's unfrozen as a kind of hot onesie. (laughs) We love Uh, hot ones. And I feel like uh, Bobby has been denied his hotness through history, and he can be a really attractive person. And again, he deserves that.
1: I, I think Bobby in the 90s in that blue and white suit, total, total hunk. Oh, and gonna Age gonna of say. Apocalypse, Age of Apocalypse, Iceman too, with his rider strong hair, the parted hair down the middle. I love him there.
2: I was going to say you incorporate like my two favorite Bobby costumes are teen Bobby and then the nineties blue and white. And you kind of married both of those together and it was perfect. I think it's probably my favorite, my favorite look of his. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that you you married it. So I guess like my, my, my last sort of question here. Uh, and regardless of it being LGBTQ romance or or what um, you know, or otherwise, there was lots of of kissing and intimate uh, scenes in bed in this series. Um, it was honestly one of the most sex positive Marvel comics that I can think of off the top of my head. And I I really appreciated it, certainly as a as a gay man. You know, opening—I would say—opening a comic, but it was opening my Marvel Unlimited app, and and the first page being a splash page of of two men kissing—that um, was really special uh, and important to see. Again, like I said earlier, this comic made me feel seen, um, and in a lot of ways, so I thank you for that. But was there any kind of push by editorial or anyone to sort of tame tame that side of it down? Not not just that because it was LGBTQ, but just there was a lot of intimate moments in this comic and 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 that's
0: just not always what we see um, well right away no there wasn't any pushback um, but it's kind of very tame if you oh yeah re- actually look at it so my logic when i was working on it uh, was if this will pass for a straight couple it has to pass for a gay couple and they they have no right to tell me otherwise. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I feel my editor feels the same way. So, uh, and that, that that that's how I approach uh, representation in general. Like, if that if you allow that with straight couples, you can't deny us of the same. Yeah. Uh, we want to have it. But it wasn't uh, uh, a fight at all. There wasn't any pushback with what I proposed.
2: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, to be clear, there there was nothing in any way, you know, smutty or questionable uh, uh, about what what you did. But it's true. It's like what you said. It was just making sure that there was that kind of equal representation that if we can have, you know, Cyclops and, and Emma Frost in bed, we can have, Man and Christian Frost in bed you know what I mean like it was yeah. and, it, and it just seeing it so consistently across a number of weeks you know it just felt it felt new and refreshing to just see you know that kind of that kind of intimacy uh consistently portrayed rather than just like oh special wedding issue for North Star you know what I mean it was just kind of yeah. this is this is everyday life for for a gay man like Bobby Drake and it it, it i greatly appreciated it luciano
1: thank you so much for your time today can you can you hint at us what's what's next is, is there anything you can plug <clears throat> where, where are we gonna see you next okay. where, where can our, our 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 community see you next yeah i
2: know
0: we, we have <laughs> um, a list. yeah right away i'm back on art assignments so a little uh over the place like right now i can speak about i'm doing issue three of multiversity teen justice for DC comics uh reunited with my writer of champions Lore, and Ivan cohen with whom i also collaborated before in green lantern animated and the Batman. Batman. Uh, so it feels like a big reunion issue creative wise and and i love those characters too so uh, I'm very happy. I, glad I got to do that. Um, then I'm doing something for Edge of Spider-Verse. Nice. Uh, I don't know if I can give more details for that yet. I think uh, I shouldn't. Uh, and some of so, our stuff. And I hope... Uh, I'm hoping for an uh, English print edition of my Creator-Own series, which is called Sereno. Uh, It's a comic I did in Spanish a few years ago, and then got translated for Comicsology, and I'm trying to. uh, I mean, I am in negotiations for a print edition, so I hope to have more news about that.
2: Awesome! Well, We'll definitely cross our fingers for that. That sounds like something I would I would recommend to my book club. Where can folks find you
1: on the internet?
0: I'm mostly on Instagram, Luciano Vecchio Art, and Luciano Vecchio on Twitter. Um, yeah, those are the, the two I use the most. And I post the same thing, so. <laughs> well, thanks, sugar. The Age of Apocalypse is now over, and we'll see you next time.
1: The Age of Apocalypse is over.
0: For now.